It's all about relationships. That sentiment is repeated several times during our conversation with Mary Louise Hildebrand, Executive Managing Director of the Relationship Foundation. Our very special guest fervently believes that by cultivating healthy relationships, we renovate the foundations of how we relate to and cope with the beauty and chaos life will throw at us. Mary's work with the Relationship Foundation offers students and teachers curriculum and workshops which provide the proper tools to support healthy relationships. It helps them understand trauma and foster empathetic listening to create more supportive schools. Mary has a master's degree in clinical and community psychology and has dedicated herself to improving the mental health of others. She is passionate and sincere about her extremely admirable mission. Hi, Mary Louise. Hello. Welcome to the Power of Three podcast. And many of our podcasts so far have dealt with people who are in service to either the community or, in some cases, the nation. And you certainly fit that category. And Tom and I are very much intrigued um, as to what made you move into this direction um, to do the work that you're doing. What kind of influences maybe that you had in your life or what did you have inside of you that led you here? Um, yeah, so actually the first time I heard the word anxiety was 12th grade by my best friend, Madeline Turn. And she said, yeah, I just had an anxiety attack. And I was like, what was that? And she explained that feeling. And it was something I felt my whole life and never had the language to express that. And from there, I knew that I needed to do some searching on the brain and the mind and psychology in general. So I took my first psychology class, fell in love with that. And it just made so much sense about my parents, my family. And it made me be able to look at human behavior and my own behavior with a more empathic lens and be, I just knew I wanted to do something in that field and yeah. Did you feel that there was a component of your education that was missing that would have addressed those feelings? Yes. Or should have addressed it. should have addressed it. Yeah, sure. yeah, I had no idea about mental health. Um, wasn't something my family talked about, wasn't something my friends talked about and definitely wasn't talked about when I was in school. Yeah, and if I knew, I would have felt less isolated and I think a little bit better about myself, too. So that epiphany, that, that moment took place your senior year, yes. you said. Mm -hmm. And then that led you to the decision to get into uh, your, your course of study. Yeah. That in was psych in, in college. That was um, psychology. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we want to hear about that, but I, I want to hear, and I know Richie has the same interest in finding out about community psychology. Yes. What, if you so, can talk a little bit about community psychology. Of course. So after getting my bachelor's in psychology, which at the time I didn't really realize was community psychology just around me. The friendships that I made in college, including my best friend Kira, who also I work with, and that's what made me be able to see myself differently. Um, and feel more empowered 
So I knew I wanted to continue a master's and I found this program that was clinical and community psychology. So I was very much in touch with, you know, the classic psychology that you think of, but then also mental health intervention from a community standpoint. So that's looking, how do we improve mental health in institutions? How do we improve mental health through society? And instead of just the individual approach or medication, and often people that need the most help can't get those, you know, individual interventions. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to be part of like the bigger kind of picture and bigger shift because that's my brain works in a big picture kind of way. Well, along those lines, there's something that we both feel very strongly about. So I'm going to just read a statement and I just want you to respond to that. And maybe that will help us to move forward with our conversation. It's all about relationships. That's that's a statement that we believe strongly in. How, how do you respond to that statement? It's all about relationships. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think how we feel about ourselves and our place in society and our abilities comes from our external environments and relationships. Um, and an empowering relationship compared to a toxic one is you feel the difference immediately of how you see the world. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the world's a brighter place when you even have just one friend or one person that believes in you. And often because of like the evolution of relationships, not having that much focus on them going from like survival mechanisms in human society, mm -hmm. like in the beginning to we live a lot longer. We've been through a lot more as a species and learning how to relate isn't really taught. So we're just kind of picking up from our parents who, you know, got from their right, parents, right. Mm -hmm. from media and yeah, we need to put a little, when you have more focus on relationships, you can, you know, excel at anything. Right. Tom and I were interviewing um, a friend of ours who's a soldier and an, a doctor, and we were driving up in the car, and we were, I, would, I was saying that, you know, we have certain innate, just like you're saying now, we have certain innate genetic, you know, presuppositions to behavior. And you're right, it goes back how many years since our species based on survival. And it seems like it's ironic that it, we haven't really evolved intellectually. Um, so, you know, it, it, your work, I mean, this is the time is now, if, if it should have been yeah. um, going on for a long time. But um, the, it's very, very necessary, the work you're doing now. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, the work that you're doing now at the Relationship Foundation as Executive Director. Yes, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm newly Executive Director just because when I started a year ago, it was, it, we're a pretty small foundation, um, but I'm very passionate about it. got very close with Michael Jazz, who is the founder, and my ability to relate with interns and people in general um, is what kind of got me to where I am now as an executive director. And in our program, we enter schools and we do professional developments for teachers where we inform them about trauma and how that affects learning and behavior in their students, as well as how trauma manifests into behavior. So what can look like acting out, not paying attention, could really be a student having like a disassociation or just aggression is easily triggered and aggression is easily emotion to express. And 
yeah, so we inform teachers on that as well as do relationship education with the students. So we get them in touch with their needs and feelings. Uh, we play this kind of game It's a that I created where it's a flip on Cards Against Humanity. Have you ever heard of that game? <laughs> Except it's cards Wait, for humanity, but not, don't make, please don't make this podcast rated <laughs> no, X. No, I, I won't. Mean, <laughs> cards against humanity. Yes, I have played. Oh, I shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> but um, we give situations that students, you know, my mom won't let me play Fortnite. The person I like doesn't mm-hmm. text me back, and then we go a little deeper too. And my little cousins in middle school actually helped me make those questions, mm-hmm. and then they have needs and feelings cards. And it has them think externally about what they're needing and feeling in that situation. And then we also flip it. What do you think that person who did that situation was needing and feeling? And yeah, we, you know, get them more. We don't necessarily talk to the students if they're in middle school about trauma itself. But we get them thinking about what they need and what's most valuable to them and the feelings that are associated with that when they're met and when they're not met. Right. And then the feelings that other people are having. Yeah. yeah that's a great part of that game right there. Yeah. Because that's, again, that's something that you would think we all have internally, but we don't. You know, some people do, some people don't, the empathy that they have. Yeah. And we offer a needs and feelings list on our website, therelationshipfoundation.org. And we, like, I carry that list with me because I didn't grow up with the language of knowing those were my right. needs and these are my feelings. I only felt good and bad and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more to that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to the reception of uh, the teachers because, well, from experience, both mine and from you know watching other teachers, there's there's a maybe a, a reticence that they have sometimes when they're asked to do these PDP classes, and some are required too. So there are some that we actually have to attend, and I'd imagine like what you're doing would be something that we would have to attend. And what's the reception of the teachers? I, mean, I would yeah. hope it would be positive. Yeah. But um, then some teachers are just like, I have a whole curriculum t- to get past, and I, how am I going to worry about this and that? when? Be- I, before you respond to Richie's comment, though, let me just piggyback on that by saying that I think the word that I've always associated with what you're talking about is sustainability. Why is there... Uh, an issue of sustainability when it comes to something as important as this. Right. Well, yeah. two separate questions there, right? Yeah. First about the teachers, and mm-hmm. then how do you keep it going? Yeah, so with the professional developments, sometimes it starts with this kind of resistance, especially when it could be, you know, the teachers are going through their own trauma as well, whether that be their life or just like the system of right. the education. And when you're constantly being given all these new workshops, these new things to do, it can definitely be you know, overwhelming and I wouldn't want to engage in that either. So we kind of make it very discussion-based, the professional developments, and offer them this information about trauma. And it's, a lot of it's brain science, so it's you, know, you can digest it pretty mm-hmm. easily. It's mm-hmm. not as abstract or as subjective. Um, and then we give them the opportunity to think how this would have affected their students and how this would have affected them and how what do they think the next step would be and you know it's easy to come to the conclusion that it's relationships and I think what our program offers that a lot of social emotional learning programs 
don't and which has been the problem of implementing social emotional learning, which is now required in New York, is that implementation step of, okay, we know we need healthy relationships, but how do we do that? And that's what we give with offering nonviolent communication and how to practice empathy. Um, I don't know if I mentioned before, but nonviolent communication is the needs and feelings. And yeah, and just kind of like reframing how we think about other people's behavior and how instead of judging, we can kind of observe and see maybe like go a little further. Where is that behavior coming from? Um, yeah. The um, question that Tom had I, I, about sustainability, it's an important one, and we've talked about this too, and I even spoke to you about this a little bit. There seems to be very, very good programs that enter the school districts, and then they disappear as, let's say, the teacher that spearheaded it retires or gives it up, and it, the next generate well the next group of administrators comes in and they have a different idea on where to go but you mentioned something really interesting too there's no law well there's no what did you say there's no state curriculum for social emotional learning there is in new york it has to be like a mental health curriculum okay and social emotional learning is usually tied with that recently yeah recently like 2018 yeah in the last two years i believe right so is it one of the is it a law it must be a tough law to enforce, you know, it's not like speeding, you know. It's I, a I, tough law to enforce and it's a tough law to um, measure. It's mm. also a tough law that it has a lot of funding, but, you know, it's just how, what do we do with that money now? What do we do with these programs? Right. And so, knowing this, yeah. It's funny that you said this, and I know that this was going to come up later in the conversation we're having, but since you brought it up, we'll ask now. You said it's hard to measure. Yeah. So... We were trying to figure out what are the most effective and most accurate ways of measuring the degree to which a program such as yours Mm -hmm. is successful. How is that happening? Yeah, so through a school lens or administrator principal lens, that would be test scores, um, things like that, which are... Suspension rates. Yeah, suspension rates, graduation rates. Mm -hmm. And to have that, you would really need to like pilot this program in a school for like one or two years, which has been done by um, other trauma-informed programs. But when it comes to what the students and teachers are feeling, we do pre and post surveys. So kind of like their attitudes towards student behavior before the professional developments, asking along, you know, a student acts like this, where do you think this is coming from? How do you react? And then after our, you know, month with them, what their attitudes towards students' behavior are now and their kind of knowledge on trauma. Um and yeah, it's always a 180. And with the students themselves, we kind of give a similar, um, you know, it's very like qualitative, you know, their idea about relationships, what that means to them, what questions they have, what they know. And then we kind of revisit those same questions at the end mm-hmm. and see what their approach is about it now. And that's always more often just like, realizing needs that they had about themselves that they didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Mary Louise, the, the website, um, at the very top of, of the website, it says the Relationship Foundation, Building Social and Emotional Learning. And then just below it, it says the missing component in our education. Is that still accurate or you're moving towards where it's not missing anymore, but where you're, you're working towards changing it so that it is 
Yes. More of an integral part of the yeah. of, of our education. Yeah. So social emotional learning, yeah, still pretty new, like 2018. Mm-hmm. And we were on the, well, as of the Relationship Foundation was on the forefront of that. Um, but now, yeah, I would say we're going even further than just having social emotional learning or that label. Mm-hmm. What do you predict? Well, tough to predict, but maybe make a guess here. Like for... Um, the time that it would take for this to get into schools and let's say the majority of schools are using it. It's ironic that the need for it is so great. And, but I, but I can't, I had the speed that it's happening. Yeah. I mean, certainly we're going from zero, but are we going to go from zero to 60 or zero to one, two, three? You know, it seems, and it's, it's must be difficult to, to get it into the schools and so many schools. Yeah, and there's all different outreach that is involved in that. And with a small team, it's very difficult. But, you know, when you hear about this, everyone wants to get on board. And that's kind of what has been happening now since I've been running things. I think I have more of a leadership capability than... You know, it's really hard to manage things, and you could have all the psychology background and want to do all these great works in schools, but it, when it comes down to it, you also need to be able to run a business to do that, um, which I'm learning. So, when you say, yeah. sorry, when you say everybody wants to get on board, you're talking about the people that work or the people that you are in, teachers? or Yeah. So once um, you, you're having good responses, once yeah. that's great. Yeah, you hear about, you know, relationship education or that this is happening in schools and people are like, wow, that's amazing. I wish I had that when I was in right. school. Right, that's great. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, so now it's just being able to measure impact, being able to do that with credibility and kind of grow this and hopefully through more like podcasts and just getting the word out there. Right. I came across a quote that I just loved also. Maybe you can just speak to it. Yeah. Empathy is being interested rather than being interesting. Yes. I thought that that was... That jumped off the page when, when I saw that and read that. Yes, and that I learned at the Relationship Foundation, and that rang with me mm-hmm. because especially having like a background in psychology, when anyone comes to me with anything, I'm just like, oh, I want to give you the advice. But really, sometimes, most of the time, people just want to be heard, and that's what empathy is, is being able to take a step back, rem- not remove yourself from the situation, but it's, you know, you don't have to necessarily feel what the other person's feeling, but value what they're feeling. When I, when I read that a couple of days ago, I'm not kidding. This is not an exaggeration. I'm not saying it for the purpose of our our discussion tonight. But since I read that, every time I have a conversation with somebody, I'm making sure that I am responding appropriately, making eye contact and not dismissing what they're saying and bringing it back to me. Yeah. Because I actually or waiting till that person stops talking so that you can say what you want to say. Right. You know, yeah. that's the opposite. And it's right? hard because it's kinda... hard for adults. Yeah. So, so how, right. how does that how yeah. do you teach kids that? It's an important that, skill. That sentence really rings with them. And mm-hmm. then we do empathy blocking. So we, it's kind of comical. They get a <laughs> kick out of it. And we practice blocking empathy. So, you know, a student will say, yeah, my mom like won't let me play Fortnite because I got a bad test grade. And then we say, you think you got a bad test grade? Like, my mom won't even let me, you know, stay past this time. And then, so that would be discounting. Then we do analyzing, right. like, 
well, you really should have studied for that test. And, you know, all these things that we hear, we're like, I don't mm-hmm. want to hear that. <laughs> when you say we do that, mm-hmm. are the people that are in your foundation that go into the schools, they act that out in front of the students? or the... Yeah, so we'll act out and then give them the chance to practice that okay. with their partner. They like, probably get a kick out of that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. There's a script of, of how you block that out that I saw. Yes. Students get to see that, so yeah. they, they are able to attach some meaning to conversations they're going to have. Yes. And apply what they've seen from exactly. that to those conversations. Yeah. And it's it's helpful, it's effective. Yeah, it's a practice. It's a practice, like yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. When we first spoke, you talked about um, trauma-sensitive school approach and that that was something that was catching on across our country. Um, it, can you tell, talk a little bit about that maybe? Yeah. So the trauma-sensitive approach, trauma-informed approach, used interchangeably, is exactly what it sounds like. It's being aware of the effect of trauma on the brain. So how we usually introduce it is when you're in this hypervigilant state, which can be any adverse childhood experience that's considered trauma in a clinical sense, which is neglect, abuse, anything, um, as well as household turmoil. And it could be more than that, it's even community environments, any place where you don't feel safe and you have to go into that survival mode. So that's fight, flight, or freeze. And if that is constantly being like activated, even when you're not in a threatening situation and it's associated with that a little bit, whether it be a smell, a tone, those same behaviors are going to come out. And it's very, it's complex, the, the science behind it, but the being at the approach to build resilience to it is relatively simple. And that's how to build a relationship and healthy relationships are what calm nervous system sounds, what make people feel safe and, you know, it takes time to build relationships. So the, with this, yeah. The quote that I, I saw from the website speaks just to what you're talking about. The difference between being able to overcome and being able to overcome a traumatic childhood is simple. It's a relationship. It's someone who believes in a child that makes the difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's and it can't be, you know, it has to be genuine and real. And it's not mm-hmm. that you have to get to the, the student's trauma itself. You, you know, teachers don't need to be mental health workers, but... Um, for them to have the language to articulate what they're feeling and for them to feel safe to do that is monumental. Yeah. Is it, um, how many schools are you in or, or, yeah, I guess that's, I don't know if it's an easy question to ask or are you, um, it's, yeah. So we're in one school next month. We just did a workshop in Adelphi two days ago. So that was for college students. And we were in another middle school in the Bronx in May. So with the capacity that we're at now, which is relatively small, um, and just getting into schools has been a little difficult. So as the Relationship Foundation now, we're trying to expand more, grow with our board of directors. And we just got approved for this thing called Multiple Task Award Contract. Um, that will put us on the vendor list for pres- professional developments in the DOE. Mm-hmm. So oh, that will make us... In yeah. the city or out here too? Um, in the city. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So you're gonna have to start hiring more people. Yes, exactly. Which is the whole business thing that comes into and having the funding to do that. Uh, Yeah, and we just had a fundraiser, so there's a lot that goes in. We did well considering we didn't. Everything that was provided was pretty much, you know, from the goodness of people's hearts. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that was like the space. We had music. We had art. We had. You know, we brought this work to the fundraiser, so people had zines. Um, I wrote a zine, Building Resilience Through Healthy Relationships. So, you know, this work that we teach is something that I also use in my relationships. One of the things that we came across also, that your work included, for you personally, the use of music and poetry. Is that correct? or? Uh, Yeah, so with how I navigate my life and relationships in my Mm -hmm. life has been through... Um, expressing myself through music and poetry and art and I think that's a human phenomenon connection mm-hmm. and you know when you're making music with someone or you hear a song that just that can save someone's life it's right. you know it's saved me before mm-hmm. so that's funny. That's, yeah Wendy just said that in the car what's my wife mm-hmm. as we were driving music can save people's lives I wanted to go back a little bit to the sustainability of your program. You move into schools and you do the work and then you leave. Do you have any contact with those schools in the short term to find out if, if not, it's tough to evaluate what's working, but to yeah. find out if even there's an attempt to continue what you're trying to do. And I don't, and I say that thinking that you've obviously touched individuals who will, um, you know, make an effort to do what you're trying to teach. But as far as the whole school, what do you think? Yeah, that's definitely something that is lacking with just being the size that we are um, and the the small team and the problems of many small nonprofits is being able to do that follow-up. But with further funding and, like, we can have a whole person who would do that and, like, Mm -hmm. be... um, contacting that we do have <clears throat> it's not you know following up with them necessarily but we do also I should mention before a curriculum of lessons on relationships so that's something that any teacher you know doesn't need to be done consecutively but you know maybe like when you have an aim or like a homeroom a do now in the beginning of the class mm-hmm. instead of it being about the subject it could just be a you know 10 minute thing talking about relationships and what impacts them. And we offer like journals and reflections. So that makes it a little bit more sustainable for the teachers to have something that they can access to bring this into their classrooms a bit more. I know the challenge is for teachers to try to find, you know, periods of time during the day where they can do this, but does the curriculum lend itself to being integrated into content area also? Yeah. So that it, it, it is serving, you know, dual purpose, covering the content, but also reinforcing the you know the relationship aspect and the, and the empathy aspect yeah. of your program yeah and I think the curriculum can be taught if it ha- ideally it would have its own class and we would have our own relationship classes we have like health ed mm-hmm. um, but if that's not the case yet to like a lot of like English teachers have said that they brought like questions about writing would be more based on relationships mm-hmm. um, but it has to yeah. impact teachers so that if someone does buy in, then it's going to affect 
what they're teaching also. So the, the way they would ask the questions, the way they respond to people who answer the questions, and just their whole demeanor in the classroom. Yeah. I'm wondering, though, is do you sell the curriculum? Is that what you do? Yes, we sell the because curriculum. Because that's great, because then the school, you know, you see the commitment there, at least an attempt at it, a commitment already, as opposed to, you know, just receiving the curriculum and doing what they want. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. I found a, uh, another quote mm-hmm. um, from a 12th grade student, um, and she said, I used to think love, respect, and trust was all that was needed, but no. Acceptance, responsibility, and communication are also required to be in a fulfilling relationship. So is that quote representative of uh, most students who've taken part in this kind of training? Uh, do you think that there's... Is yeah, that... and they love, like, once you probably about like the third session after then we you know we have to build a relationship with the students for them to want to engage with us mm-hmm. um, or be so open and yeah they love once they get there they love talking about relationships you know that's what they're talking about all the time that's what you're doing <laughs> like Definitely, that's right. what's you know going through our heads all the time and yeah I think especially for um, the boys and men in the class mm-hmm. um, for there to be a space for them to think about these things and think about you know women's and needs and just mm-hmm. think about other people's needs right. mm-hmm. and what that looks like. Right, you go back to genetics. Yeah. And then men are. I, I'm not going to sound. I'll sound sexist <laughs> here a little bit, but a little slower at those. Uh, yeah. Things like relationships and, just, and proper relationships. I think. Yeah. Do you think that? Um, social media has had a, an impact on what you're seeing in relationships? Um, yes, in all different factors. I'm also an avid social media user and kind of grew up, you know, a different time. It was like MySpace and Facebook when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. But there was pros and cons to it. There are communities where you can really be yourself and have access to a different population that's not just your school um, but at the same time things are put into public a lot more and yeah there can also be like a lot more bullying and cyberbullying or hiding behind a screen I personally never really dealt with that but I know many people who have but also the community aspect especially for the more introverted and quiet kids it gives them an outlet I think mm. But the, one of the, the things that I've noticed, the patterns that I've seen with a lot of young kids now, is that they're looking down at their phones yeah. instead of making that eye contact and, and having a direct interaction with somebody. And that's really at the heart of what mm-hmm. needs to take place. Yes. Um, but also, adults are doing that too. You know, right. you sit at a restaurant, you look around, everyone's... You're not kidding. Yeah. That's true. We, Wendy was saying that too in the car the other day. She says people talk about people texting in cars. Look around; it's, these are adults. They're all texting in yeah. their cars, you know. So I don't think having like a, you know, a war on social media is going <laughs> to do anything. Um, I think we have to kind of accept and maybe integrate children as more of the process of what does relationship education look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm lucky enough to have like a access to kids like being my cousins and just kind of my nieces and nephews and getting their perspective on these things and you know they and they're 
you know, really smart and they know best because they live in that world mm-hmm. right. and can can say what the damages are. They know they're they know when they spend too much time on their phone and like how that can be linked to them feeling bad about themselves. But they also know that they can use that to maybe follow different accounts. So that's something we offer that I actually wrote in the curriculum that's relatively new. Instead of like saying no to social media, it's how can we have a little bit more self-care in that. I wasn't suggesting in my yeah. question that we should yeah, say no I to social media, though. I don't want you to misinterpret that. <laughs> no. I, I think like anything else, it's finding the right balance. Yeah. And I'm not sure that that balance mm-hmm. exists for many yeah, and maybe that's what you know. What mm-hmm. we should be striving for is helping them to find that balance. Yeah, and I think that's with having more access to um, just like more positive outlets mm-hmm. on social media. There's a lot of knowledge out there, and there's a lot of people out there who kids are influenced by. They're literally called influencers on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, including myself, uh, like I'm not an influencer, but follow influencers, and. Yeah, so it's definitely something that has to be navigated as we evolve technology-wise, human-wise, and relating-wise. I don't know what that's going to necessarily look like, but I'm excited to be a part of it. You know, you talk about influencer. It just kind of triggered a thought, though, in trying to promote what it is that you're doing. Does it help or would it help to have somebody speak on behalf, somebody that kids can connect with or connect to, a spokesperson? Cartoon. Anything that that would promote Richie relationship. the message. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I never really thought about that. I remember like Do So the Dolphin when I was younger. <laughs> right. But, um, That's right. Uh, he still exists. He does still, it? Yeah. 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 Um, I found that really creepy as a kid. So. <laughs> I don't know. But, That's right. Like teaching with puppets when yeah. we were Yeah. I mean, oh Inside God, Out, that was do? a great movie about. Did you see that Disney Pixar movie, we, Inside Out? It was about literally emotions. No, I didn't. Actually. And what's going on in the brain, and I, I know some teachers that bring that into the classroom, and it was a great way to talk about mm-hmm. anger and joy and sadness, mm-hmm. and you know, accepting all those different feelings of ourselves. You don't but, just yeah. work in schools, though. The Relationship Foundation <laughs> um, does workshops for corporations too, right? Does it, and are they requesting you to come in, or are you? Selling yourselves as something that would be great for that corporation? Yes. So in the past, um, we have done kind of a similar trauma-informed program and a curriculum for mental health organizations. So we've gone into like Samaritan Village, which were social workers who work with people who are reentering the community from Rikers. So having a trauma-informed approach with that community, um, the social workers with the people that they're working with, one will, and also introducing them to like their own traumas that they've been to, which leads to more like risky activity and even the traumatization in going into that system. Right. Um, and giving them the skill set, which is the nonviolent communication. So when they do re enter, to be able to have. That's so critical because we all know that many wind up right back in. You have a good friend, Jerry Januszewski, right? Yeah. And he worked for years as a counselor for prisoners as they exited, and that was the saddest part to him, uh, them going right back into jail. Yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, there's all different factors, but when it comes to trauma, which, you know, 
at this point we're all facing, whether it be us or our communities or someone very close to us, um, we're easily triggered and like we're going to try to self-soothe and we're going to fall back into old patterns that make sense to us and make sense to our neurobiology and homeostasis. But through language and through relationships, that's where you can, but can change. It's all about relationships. Yeah. <laughs> and then returning on the, what you were saying about bringing this into corporations, that's something we're also working on. So in the past, the Relationship Foundation has done like more mental health organizations that we worked with, but we're also now looking to bring this into the corporate setting and workspace, work office setting, because even there, there's a lot of toxic and relationship struggles, especially when you have power and imbalances. Here we go, here we go back and, to the genetics, the power. Yeah. You know, there was mm-hmm. a survival to having power, but yeah. it doesn't exactly work in our world now. No, and it can also feed into more traumatic cycles and more behaviors that are associated with that. So, yeah, we're bringing that now. We're looking to bring that into corporations. Are and there any just yeah. names of corporations that you have so far? Uh, no, not okay. yet. It's still in the process, and we're making a specific curriculum right. for that. So this is something that, oh, okay. So yeah. you're working on that curriculum. Yeah, and it'll this be a stream like of revenue. Phase. Yeah. Right. And That's what I was thinking, yeah. too, because once you move there, you get their acceptance, and they start to like the program, a little more money for the nonprofit to do the good yeah. work. And it's like a top-down, down-top, what's the other ones? <laughs> but, you know, we're starting with, you know, the foundation, which is right. like, you know, schools, mm-hmm. but then also the rest of us who are living in society, right. we also deserve some healing and balance. I'm thinking now, too, when you say schools, how young do you start with people in school? Do you, like Tom's wife teaches second grade and my wife teaches preschool and they, they're both doing their own thing and all along the lines of relationships, but... Do you get into schools with uh, kids that young? Uh, we haven't yet. Um, our curriculum is more relationships and kind of geared towards middle and high school. Mm-hmm. But that's something definitely in development and being talked about and brainstormed. Because, uh, yeah, the earlier we get this kind of There's language so, in. It just seems that they're so malleable at that age. Yeah. And, uh, so, and you can teach them Mm -hmm. I mean at least what my wife says even at the age of four you can teach them how to get along and this is not and they they respond yeah and they're you know so smart yeah um but being able to work in that population also requires like a little bit more program development and a little um more team members who Mm -hmm. are more qualified yeah the resources and that so along those lines Mary Lou is project ahead five years, ten years from now? What is your your hope, your your goal? Mm-hmm. What, what's it going to look like? The landscape, yes. the emotional That landscape. this will not be a new concept anymore, and it will just be in all schools, and I don't care if it's through the Relationship Foundation or whatever, that trauma-informed is something that is mandated. Um, and that's already happening that's like a whole other aspect of all of this when it comes to being able to do anything in schools or society wise and that's you know legally in politics so massachusetts actually has i think the first bill which is a trauma-informed act bill 
where you have to have trauma-informed education in schools. Mm-hmm. So That's excellent. having that nationwide and just more conversation um, for the foundation itself, I see us partnering with more nonprofits that are doing similar work and being able to have this. Is there um, any thought or talk about lobbying, like moving towards your legislators to try Uh, and get your goals? Yes. So that's something I've thought about. I've been in a fellowship that was WISH, that was done by Jordan Rosenthal, who's also went to Oceanside, Women Influencing Systems in History. Incredible course. and Incredible woman, very passionate about what she's doing. Great things. Um, And there I learned a lot about policy and how to ask and what that means. Because often, you know, you hear all these things and you want to change everything, but it's you feel so stuck. You don't know how. Um, so that's something that we definitely also want to develop. And I'm kind of like researching more about. So that would look like, yeah, calling, I don't know, I guess calling, you know, our representatives mm-hmm. and getting this conversation started. I know that it does when it comes to like federal funding. I've looked into who's like approved of social emotional learning funding and so it's definitely getting there to a federal stance and yeah it's almost good that the work that you're doing and other people do comes first in a way so you could speak to your legislator and say look this is cool. what we've done yeah. yeah we need to make sure everybody does it how can we do it you know yeah so you talked about um where where, where you hope to be in five years ten year, years from now where we all hope to be, um, and it comes down to resources also. Yeah. How do you, uh, if this could be an opportunity to reach out to uh, yes. to a listening audience. <laughs> if you're who, listening, yeah. please donate. <laughs> um, but, yeah, donating would be great, but it's also, if you know, if you want to be involved, if you have any skills that, even if it's not necessary to bring teaching that work, you know, we need marketing, we need all the things that, come along with running a business and you know we're growing our board so if you are interested in mm-hmm. being on our board of directors and it can offer some sort of skills and that can come to website designing marketing partnership funding grants you know the legislative part um yeah and there's you know so much more that i'm learning about if somebody who was listening was interested in reaching out is there a phone number yes there is um 212 212- Four seven seven two three two three or two one two four seven seven zero five two two, and you could also go to therelationshipfoundation.org. You can there's donate there. All our information's there, as well as we have a Facebook. You know, same thing. Relationship Foundation. Yeah, and Giving Tuesday is coming up. It's like the Black Friday of charities and giving money, where they most like Facebook and a lot of big donors match. So that's on December 3rd. If you are looking for a charity to donate to, we would happily take that. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, Tom and I talk all the time about, you know, our experiences, Tom as a teacher, me as a teacher, Tom as an administrator. And this work that you're doing is so valuable and so necessary and so now and so should have been <laughs> and uh, we we really admire you know all the work that you're doing and uh, and your good friend Kira 
Metcalf is doing too alongside of you yes. and, and everybody at your organization. Yeah, and it's um, because of her that we can, and our friendship, which we were kind of naturally already having a trauma informed and, you know, being very vulnerable about our past experiences right. and just our childhoods that weren't always, you know, the, the easiest. And it was through that that we realized the power of friendship and the power of connection. And it's a beautiful thing to have someone you can rely on. Relationships, well, yeah. I'm very glad that we were able to connect. Yes, me too. Through our podcast, and thanks to to Kira for um, bringing us together. Yeah. Um, and and I hope that we've been able to reach people who will, in turn, support the the good work that you're doing. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Thank you, Mary Louise. Thank you. I'd like to re- remind you, our power of three listeners that you can contribute to the overtime episode by submitting questions or comments to the voice message feature at anchor.fm or our email, rtwtmc at gmail.com. Thank you.